He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is Siddhartha Vaidyanathan. I'm at Sid V on Twitter. And I'm thrilled today to have a special guest on the show, a pioneer of sorts, and someone who's an integral part of what I would think is a remarkable story unfolding in a part of the world that we don't often associate with cricket. So a very warm welcome to the captain of the Brazilian women's team, Roberta Moretti Avery. Thank you so much for joining us, Roberta. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you to talk about the love of our lives cricket. Absolutely. Fantastic. And as I said, uh, you know, this is uh, such a great story and uh, this has been unfolding for a while now. Cricket in Brazil, a very unlikely story, but something that's really, really heartening to hear about and read about. And hopefully one day uh, we will see more of the cricketers playing from Brazil all over the world and get a chance to watch them. So uh, about Roberta, uh, your path to cricket is a really interesting one. I saw that you played uh, golf and handball, uh, you know, at a very good level. And for cricket, I must tell our listeners that, uh, you know, she has played 16 women's T20 games, has taken 15 wickets and also scored 216 runs with a highest score of 68 not out. Uh, all extremely good and impressive. But more than that, I think also the most impressive bit is that you are sort of um, leading a generation of players who are taking to cricket in Brazil. So tell us a bit about your journey into cricket, um, you know, the games that you played, how you got in, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear that. Yes, yeah, a pleasure. Uh, I've always been an athlete. I've always played all sorts of sports, like you said. Um, as a teenager, I played golf and handball, uh, and I moved to the UK when I was 18, and I spent seven years in the UK. Uh, during my time in the UK, I found out that cricket existed, uh, because we would have cricket on TV, and I would see test cricket on TV, but it was not a sport that I understood. So for me, I knew that it existed, but it was not part of my life. Uh, eventually, I got married to an Englishman and we moved back to Brazil. Uh, once we moved back, the president of Cricket Brazil, Matt Federson, he was starting a project for Brazilians to teach cricket for Brazilians. And he needed coaches. So he needed people that understood a little bit of cricket to take it over there into schools. And my husband was one of the chosen ones. So Richard Avery, my husband, uh, was invited to be part of the coaching team. Uh, and he went into his schools to teach uh, Brazilian kids of what cricket was. And I promised myself that I was not getting involved in it. I said, uh, Richard, we already play golf together. We live together. We work together. <laughs> cricket together. Cricket's going to be your thing. But I ended up going to one of the softball uh, games. And it was so much fun. It was a, like such a great environment. Everybody was uh, having the time of their week. Uh, and it was like just so good to be over there. And as a golf player, I was able to hit a few balls. Uh, so I could hit the ball quite far. So I found out that uh, I really wanted to do a little bit more of that. They were just starting the women's team in the local league to, be, to compete in the national women's team. And they invited me to be part of that team. And well, I'm here now, <laughs> nine years later. Uh, I was the older one from the whole team because all the team was made of uh, teenagers and uh, kids in school. So they were like 13, 14 years of age. And I was 28 at the time. Uh, so yeah, it has been a very nice path. And uh, I, 
I love cricket every day more and more. So it's difficult for me to believe that at that age, I found a sport that I, I'm so passionate about and I like to work with it so much. It's interesting that you mentioned the connection with golf because in golf, uh, the little bit I have played, I know that you know you have to be extremely uh, precise about the way you hit the ball, right? Everything about your body needs to be like in control and the balance is what is deciding where the ball is going. In cricket, when you lifted the ball, you must have felt a certain level of freedom. You're like, I can hit the ball anywhere. <laughs> exactly. How you cannot love cricket? Because in golf, you have to hit the ball in the fairway. You have to have this strategy. Alignment is 100%. Uh, and in, in cricket, I could hit it anywhere. doesn't matter where it goes as long as it goes far and high. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, it it was tough because uh, in golf, the action is a little bit different. So I used to get out very early trying to hit the ball on cow corner. So I had to learn how to play with the bat straight. Uh, and actually, that influenced my golf a lot because because of cricket, that my golf shots changed. Uh, so uh, there was a time that I had to adjust both games. Uh, once I started getting more serious with cricket, I ended up retiring from golf. Because I, I reached golf the highest level that I could in the national scenario. I, I got to play for the Brazilian national team 2017 and 2018. Uh, and I had to decide if I wanted to keep playing golf on high level, I would have to invest much more hours in it. And that would compromise cricket. And I had just turned uh, as a Brazilian uh, skipper for the national cricket team. So I didn't want to, to compromise my commitment with cricket. So I decided to retire from golf and uh, just keep playing cricket uh, after 2018. And I thought that cricket had like a very big social appeal. Uh, I was not only playing cricket, I was helping to, to form these characters, to make these teenagers into very good athletes and very good citizens. So I think for me, cricket was a no-brainer. It was a decision for me all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the difference between the individual sport and a team sport is such a big uh, uh, impression, isn't it? I mean, when you have the, uh, you feel that you can change so many lives that you're playing with and that you can have that bond with so many uh, other people that you're playing with, it automatically gives a totally different perspective to cricket, especially in a country like, uh, you know, Brazil, where, uh, you know, compared to, say, other countries, there is a vast economic disparity there as well. Plus, it is also a male-dominated society, like many parts of, uh, you know, Asia and other places as well. So there is a certain additional responsibility that you get in being part of that journey, isn't it? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh... I think the way that Cricket Brazil was constructed, built for Brazilians, is a little bit different than a few other countries. Uh, because first, uh, the project is based uh, in community projects and schools for that just reach underprivileged kids. So these are kids that do not have opportunity to a lot of other sports. So they have their school level, football, maybe volleyball, maybe handball but they don't have access to a lot of sports. So cricket comes in their schools like uh, is an opportunity for them with a pathway. So, okay, they like cricket in school. They can join the club. They can join the local league, the local teams, under 13, 15. So it's a clear path for them. And I think the biggest point is, is not male dominant in Brazil. We don't have the tradition of cricket in Brazil. Uh, so it's for everyone. So boys and girls play. In the project, it's almost a 50-50% split for, of boys and girls being part. 
but in high performance, the girls actually are stronger. Uh, which is completely different in the majority of countries. Uh, usually it is a very male-dominant. So when I started playing cricket, uh, I didn't know it was a male-dominant sport. I just found out about that when I started researching other countries. So for okay. me, a sport for all, uh, until I realized it wasn't. So when we got contracted before the men's team, uh, the women's team was contracted before, uh, in 2020, I felt so proud of being part of a country that values their best team, not because it's a female or male sport. No, they value the best team. The best team at the moment is the women's. So I think it shows that uh, uh, Cricket of, cricket of Brazil is over there for the right reasons. And like you said, in, in a male-dominant country like us, to empower girls, empower women through sports, it is just like uh, unbelievable. And it's more than just a sport. It's uh, a tool to make sure that they are growing to great women, great athletes and great people uh, for the world. Yes, exactly. I think uh, many people in, uh, you know, uh, if I may use the term, the first world, uh, I don't like the word, but yes, I, I'm using it anyway. Uh, they don't understand that the importance of uh, that the sport can have for people, especially in the lower economic strata for uh, countries, you know, like in South America or countries in Asia or anything, because it just takes that one person in the family to, you know, start playing and have a pathway and to do well. And the dynamic that can it can change in the whole community is something else. I mean, then suddenly you have 15 other people looking at trying to play the game, trying to follow their, uh, you know, the pioneers. And it, it's the, the snowballing effect is just uh, something else, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it's actually very good that you said that. Because when we started teaching cricket, we because we don't have the history, you also didn't have the role models. So like everybody plays football in Brazil, everybody thinks Neymar in Brazil, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, all these big names, they want to be like them. So the kid has a very easy connection with a hero that they want to be like. Because we didn't have cricket in Brazil, we don't have the role models, we don't have the heroes yet. So when we started teaching, it was mainly expats teaching, teaching Brazilians. Uh, and they found it was very curious, very good, very fun. But there was a moment that it would lose them because they would see expats doing it, showing it for them. They would not make the connection, the relation, like I can be that person because it was not their reality. So we started putting uh, Brazilian kids from these community projects. We would look at the ones that had like more leadership skills, uh, that they were a little bit more in love with the game. And we went into them and said, you know what? You have potential to be a cricket coach. Uh, we are willing to pay for your university. Uh, so you go over there and become a coach. Uh, and then you come and teach for Cricket Brazil. We employ you. So that's we give you the, the coaching pathway. And these were the kids that were having university. They were the first kids in their family to have university. Because they're... Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were like going to the university, uh, graduating in the physical education course, and being coaches. And that was a game changer for us because then these kids in these underprivileged communities look at the coach like, I can be like him. I can be like this teacher that uh, has traveled to Argentina, Colombia, Chile, Peru, has a passport, has gone to the UK, has done university, and he lives in the same street as I am. He was the same poor kid that I was before that now has a, a career, has a traveling knowledge, has skills, and uh, that creates the role model that we needed. So we create, we found these community great cases, and they are with us now. So it's called the Black T-Shirt Project. Uh, 
uh, is a university program for Cricket Brazil. And uh, we have 16 kids in university right now. And uh, four of them are already graduated and they're employed by Cricket Brazil. So it shows that the pathway is there. It's, it, it is, I keep saying it's more than a game. And I do believe that. And I do believe that Cricket Brazil does that. And, and it's also, you know, it removes the need to marketing when you have such pathways because automatically others are watching. They are seeing what is happening in your community, in your family, in your neighborhood. People know that, okay, this person has a passport and has gone to Colombia. I mean, how did that happen? Or, or something like that, you know. And so the need to market the game automatically it reduces. I mean, you don't need to go and tell people, hey, come and play cricket because you already see, they're already seeing what's happening. Yes, and, exactly. and as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there are 5,000 uh, players, right? Cricket players in Brazil, which is a staggering amount. I would have never guessed that there are so many people playing cricket in Brazil. Yeah, and this is the number of this only start of uh, 2022, which is the same number that we finished 2019 because we ended up losing two years. Uh, oh, COVID, because yeah. COVID. Uh, but it, uh, we have 5,000 uh, playing the region. Uh, that's the capital of Cricket Brazil in in the country. But we opened four new cities. So we opened four new grassroots development projects uh, because the demand is over there. People want to, to play cricket. People want us to be able to, over there to teach cricket. But we have to grow sustainably. We cannot start opening everywhere without the coaches and without the financial investment that we actually need for that. So it has been very good. Our mayor starts his speeches by saying that Poços de Caldas, where we live and where cricket development started, is a city that has more kids playing cricket than football. So he's very proud of that as well. Uh, and the numbers... Is that show, true? Is that, that true? Is true. We oh, have wow. five, <laughs> 5,000 kids registered in cricket projects. And I think in football projects, we have about... 2,000, 2,500, something like that. And in 2019, we had a donation from the Lord, Lord Saverners of a cricket gear. So we received a whole container of bats, pads, uh, bags, clothing. So it's funny because we see kids running around the street or walking around the street with cricket shirts, with a cricket bat in their backpacks. <laughs> and we don't know where they are coming from we don't know if it is a project or just a kid that got access to the to the kit and now has cricket gear all over so it's, it's very cool the the way the, the city has been going on i mean one of the reasons given for of course the uh, the universality of uh, football is that it's so easy to play i mean you you don't need much to play it you don't even need a ball sometimes you can just use like a coconut or you can use anything that you want and you can just start playing uh, so I would have thought I thought that that would be a barrier for cricket because it is it tends to be requiring all this equipment and it requires that investment. But then I read I saw an interview of yours where you were talking about this street game that Brazilians have been playing for many many years, which is like cricket, but they never realize that it is like cricket, right? I I played it my whole childhood. I played taco, which is the name of taco. the game. Yes, yeah. uh, I played season when I was a kid. It, we play with broomsticks. So you have like broomsticks everywhere. Uh, we put a little can or a bottle of a Coke or anything like that in the back, which is our stumps, and a, a, a tennis ball, a tennis ball, sock ball, and any kind of ball that you like, and you play in pairs. So the intention is to hit the bottle in the back, which are the stumps, or to hit the ball as far away as possible and run. And when you run, you count the runs. The and runs. The taco, and the taco, you have to get to 24 points. 
uh, and every time you get a wicket or you get, instead of losing your bat because you just have two people, losing the player, you just rotate the innings. So whoever gets 24 points first wins. So we have been playing that forever. And it's always a very good childhood childhood memory. Uh, we always think about playing tackle with like very fond and fun memories. So the connection to cricket happens over there. So when you go to school, say, you want to play cricket? They're like, I don't know what it is. I said, well, it's the sport that taught what tackle is. So they're like, oh, okay, I do want to play that because that is fun. So we have a very nice connection to that. And the tackle came from cricket. So yeah, we have been playing and that's it. What we want to do when we get going to the schools is play cricket easily. So we want them to have fun. The first thing that we want to do is to have fun. The same feeling that I had when I played my first softball match was like, oh my God, this is a fun place. I want to come back. That's what we want to do to every single kid that gets over there. So I think that's why we have such a good relation with the schools and the kids because they have fun and then they fall in love with cricket. Talk a bit about the sport itself. Like when you go to like young girls, I mean, you can tell them about Taco, I guess, that is one connection that is formed. But cricket is quite a hard game to teach. I mean, the intricacies of cricket, there is a lot that goes on in cricket. The You know, you, it's like some things as simple as field placements, but also much more complex as the rules and the laws of the game. And maybe some people have no idea of the history of the game as well, and you want to give them a little bit of an understanding of that. So how hard has that been? Or have you just said, have fun, worry about everything else later? I guess the pathway is structured to give them learnings, uh, but not overwhelm them with the information. So we have uh, the school, which is very easy and fun. Then they join the club, which we start getting the, the a little bit more information until they get to the local league. In the local league, we have uh, uh, different layers. So one layer that they just start having a little bit more information, the fielding, the batting, the rules, uh, until they get to the development high performance. When do they get when they get to the, the high performance, they know the basics. The difficult thing is we don't have cricket broadcasted all the time. So they don't have the um, history of uh, watching cricket as a since a kid and watching like a, a 50 over game or 20 over game, uh, learning about the game as they grow. Uh, so they start they learn more when they play. <laughs> So when they get to the high performance, we, we try to teach them a lot. We're even talking about that here. Uh, the meetings here are very short and sharp because everyone understands cricket and understands what they're talking about. Uh, but when we have the meetings back home, the meetings are long because we have to teach a lot. So we have to teach the understandings of the game, the nuances of the game, the moments of the game. So it's a lot of education around what a sport is, uh, but mostly happens when you start getting to national leagues and high performance. Before that, It's about having fun and simplifying the game as much as possible to make sure that they are playing and they they fall in love before we actually complicate a lot of a lot of things. Yeah, I mean a lot of the cricket, uh, you know, the game itself because it is a British game because it has its history in, you know, so much of its history in England is a very English game. So I, earlier in the uh, conversation, you spoke about cow corner. Now, you know, if you tell somebody in Portuguese, it may be difficult to sort of translate what that is and then for them to understand where this fielding position is. And a lot of terms in cricket are very rooted in English. So how has that been? You know, do you have to translate a lot of things for people there who probably are, don't know English, who are playing, who don't know English? Yes, with, with, at first, we decided to translate everything everything. We're like, let's translate all the information, let's give them Portuguese, uh, it's going to make it easier. 
But when they started playing a little bit more and playing the South American Championships and playing also and watching them on the TV, we realized that we could keep a lot of the terms. So what is very clear in taco, we kept it translated. And what is like a more, uh, that happens too much in the games, wickets and catches and things like that, we kept it as in English. So we were able to mix a little bit of balls. So when you go and watch a cricket game in Brazil, you're going to listen to a lot of uh, words in English. You're going to listen to all the field placements in English. But at the same time, we're going to talk wickets like casinha because it relates to taco. So it, it becomes a nice fun mixture when you're talking about uh, to them in Brazil. Fantastic. I mean, and that's really important because, you know, developing a new grammar of the game will give the team an identity and will give the cricket in that region an identity. And I'm glad that you're borrowing both from taco as well as from cricket to talk about that. So, yeah, that's fantastic. And in terms of the, meet, uh, you know, the meetings itself, uh, you know, tell us a bit more about it. Like, uh, you know, how how much of it is strategy, how much of it is skill based and and also like when even the day before the game or two days before the game, you know, how uh, can you talk a bit about the preparation for the game itself? Yeah. Yes, that's a good question. Uh, when we started uh, playing the local league before we got to the national team and everything else, we would actually uh, get the team together, uh, get slides on the TV to show them because we needed to show them what the game was. We had so so few games before a tournament. We didn't. We usually would play once one T20 and go to the national tournament. So imagine that you get into the national tournament, you don't really know how to play the game uh, in the early games. So we actually had meetings to talk about uh, what everybody's role was, what a role of batter was, what a role of a bowler was, uh, the fielding placements, things that are very very basic for any cricket players in a country that has cricket on TV that has been playing cricket since they were in the school. Uh, but suddenly you're getting players that don't know what it is. So in the early stages, we actually would teach everything uh, from the games before, would have meetings before we leave, during training, and uh, have carried the board everywhere, just talk to them about the game. Now, in Brazil, for the high-performance girls, that knowledge is already there. We keep building little by little uh, in the training sessions, uh, meetings weekly with the girls, but a lot of them still wouldn't understand what is the role of a batter number seven in a T20. Uh, so we, we, it's, it's a lot of education and uh, teaching happening. For example, we are playing here in Fairbreak in Dubai. We had never used the spikes before. I never had used spikes before. The first time I used a worn spikes was here. Uh, and I have been playing cricket for nine years and I'm the captain of the Brazilian team uh, with international games in the bag. So, yeah, it's a, it's a learning every single time that we play. Uh, and for us, it's a lot of uh, teaching the players and teaching the girls, teaching these teenager girls what the game is and the complexities of it all the time. Yeah, and a bit, and a bit about the skills itself, um, especially when it comes to uh, bowling, uh, because that can be one of the most unnatural sort of uh, actions in any sport. I mean, to actually bowl quick and to bowl spin. These are things that people don't just uh, do uh, on a whim. I mean, they do it when they know cricket, but they don't do it otherwise. So how has that been, uh, you know, learning and teaching bowling, especially as a skill? I think that was one of the hardest things because when we started, uh, we didn't have bowling coaches. So a lot of the players that learned bowling from Brazil don't really have the most perfect technique. So when I see like a Jimmy Anderson bowling, uh, Archer bowling, you see that alignment, everything going fluid forward. 
uh, that was not something that used to happen to us because we didn't really know what we were coping. Uh, we didn't have the role models, bowling role models to to, to copy the action from. Uh, so it, it was a little bit difficult. Uh, I stopped bowling a few years ago and my action was completely different than anyone else's. Um, and uh, I think now uh, we have a, a little bit better structure because now we get bowling coaches, the black t-shirts projects, these kids know a little bit more. So we are teaching a little bit better for them because like you said, I completely agree. It's not natural movement. And uh, and the same thing, when it, once you learn how to bowl, you still have to learn how to spin the ball. If you're spinning, how to spin the ball, all the variations. So I think this is coming with time. This is coming with our whole development. And um, I think uh, in 10 years' time, our, is, you're going to see a whole different level of skills. Uh, there's a lot of that I've seen here in this tournament that I've never seen before. And I, we want to take it back and uh, teach them to our girls and see, okay, this is the next level, this is where we can get. Yeah, I must bring that in now, actually. Uh, I haven't mentioned it so far. I'm talking to Roberta as she's taking part in the Fair Break Invitational Tournament. Uh, again, another fantastic initiative that's been taken to bring uh, women's cricketers from all over the world around. And in my opinion, this is probably the first truly global cricket tournament because it has, I think, 36 people from 36 countries are taking part in this. And that is quite uh, staggering for a cricket tournament because traditionally only you know 10 or 15 uh, countries uh, would be playing. So, yes, tell us a bit about that experience. How has it been for you to be playing in this tournament and, uh, 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 you know, getting meeting all these cricketers and getting all this experience? I mean, you did mention about the spikes. Uh, how has the whole experience been? Oh, it, it has been amazing. It has been actually a dream come true. Uh, I have watched the World Cup, uh, every single World Cup, all the matches, all the washes and everything like that. And uh, now to be able to be captained by Heather Knight, uh, and to be able to talk to Sophie Divine, I, I met Sophie Divine twice on breakfast and I wasn't able to talk to her because I was so starstruck. Uh, so when I met her, I had like tears in my eyes, like, oh my God. Uh, I batted with Laura Wolvard. She has the most beautiful cover driving the world and I was running with her uh, uh, at the pitch. So this is amazing by a number of reasons. First, the connection that we have with these players and meeting these role models that we finally are able to but also the amount of knowledge and information that we get from them. Uh, so all these players that are going to come back to their countries, uh, to these 36, 38 countries, we are going to go back with this love, this passion, and this sense of opportunity that these, we are able to get into these global stage tournaments. So we are going to inspire a whole number of girls back home in all these countries. So I think it's an opportunity that... Um, I never thought it was able to, to, to happen. It, it, we are here uh, and we are being valued as great members of the cricketing world. So that's something that is unbelievable. And I'm talking to that with Sean Mart Martin looking at me uh, right now. He's the guy that uh, organized everything. <laughs> so yes, it's a, uh, it's a dream for us that came true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to ask you from an international standpoint, uh, you know, um, how uh, easy has it been to get the kits and the gear for people. I did uh, see that uh, Brazil has developed its own bat making uh, sort of factory. There are there are places where they're making bats now in Brazil. And how easy has it been to get equipment uh, and to you know spread the game much more? Uh, that that is definitely a challenge because uh, all the equipment has to come from countries like uh, England, India, Australia, and anywhere like that because we don't have bowls, we don't have the pads. So we 
everything that we can manufacture in Brazil. So the AstroTurf pitches, uh, the stumps, the bats that we are developing, the bats as well, we try to make in Brazil because when you have 5,000 kids, if you want to grow for 10,000, you have to double the amount of equipment that you have. Uh, but at the same time, we still relay a lot of uh, on this import. And importing in Brazil is not necessarily easy. Uh, we have uh, the taxes of import are very high. So it gets the equipment prices quite high for us. So we, we try to make as much as possible in Brazil. And the donations like the Lord's Tavernous donations that send a whole container for us uh, helps helps out massively. Um, we are looking for the perfect wood to make cricket bats in Brazil. We do believe that Brazil with its size and the, its forests and everything else, there is a wood that we can use to make bats. I'm not necessarily talking about bats for the national team, but bats for these kids that are starting. So we are really looking to, into that. Uh, but the first bats manufactured in Brazil are already coming out and uh, we are using them for the development projects. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I'm sure the Amazon forest has, uh, there is some magic in there that can produce a cricket bat. So, yeah, hoping for the best with that. Uh, and in terms of, uh, you know, the international stature of the game, I mean, how uh, big would it be to, say, have cricket as an Olympic sport? How big would it be to have cricket as, you know, for the from the ICC point of view to have like a, uh, you know, a bigger tournament across the Americas or something like that. Not just the tournaments that you're playing, but say just like they have the uh, the Copa America in football, something something like that. Uh, how big would that be, or how big would all that be? Yeah. I think I think it's about exposure uh, and the showing that cricket is in Brazil and is available. Uh, and I'm gonna give you an example. Last year we played the qualifiers, the Americas qualifiers in Mexico. And it was broadcasted by ICC through the ICC TV app. Uh, and a lot of people watched. A lot of people that loves cricket watched. The families were able to watch. But a lot of curious people were like, uh, okay, let's find out what this game is. And when I came back home after the tournament, uh, we had a Sunday lunch meeting, a Sunday, lunch, Sunday lunch with the family. And uh, my whole family was talking about catches and runouts and batting and uh, bowling. <laughs> I played cricket for a long time and uh, I never, ever saw my family talking these kind of things. Uh, and for me, I was sitting back looking and like absorbing that moment because that's what accessibility does, uh, makes cricket a conversation. And as soon as cricket is a conversation, people want to know where they can play, what they can do. So we had a big peak of uh, people, of kids, teenagers, moms contacting us, wanting their kids to play cricket. So, and that's a very small tournament broadcasted to a very small amount of people but imagine if you have the olympics or a pan-american or a copa america of cricket happening uh with much more uh, uh uh broadcasting i think that would be a game changer because it would make pe people know that yeah there is cricket in brazil it's not only football we have cricket and we are strong and uh i think you everybody should be able to to, to play that and and from the country's point of view itself, do you think that uh, making it an Olympic sport would give it like a push uh, from the authority, the sports authorities in Brazil that uh, they probably won't do as much now? Because once it's an Olympic sport and you're looking to win a medal, then the focus shifts uh, uh, big time, right there. Yes, and also funding uh, in Brazil and a lot of associated countries. As soon as a sport is Olympian, uh, it, it allows funding from the government. So you have to you, you are able to develop the, pro, the the 
they sport with more government Olympic funding in your own country. So in Brazil, for example, for us, uh, we would have access to that and also would have access to athletes development programs uh, that they help with uh, a, a small amount of money every month for every athlete. So yes, it would release a, it would be a game changer for us. So I do believe that. Uh, and with fingers crossed, it would be 2028 uh, or if not ma maximum 2032. But uh, I can't wait for cricket to be Olympian. And uh, yeah, why not? Let's let's hope if my body can stand until there so I can actually try to play the Olympian one day, Olympics one day. Absolutely. Just uh, a, a few, couple of uh, questions to wrap up. I mean, one question was about the... Uh, you know, the fact that Brazil has been focused so much on the women's game and they have given contracts to women even before giving the contracts to men. And that is such a, uh, you know, uh, rare and fantastic move at the same time. Uh, I want to know about in many of the other countries where they play cricket, there has been a trend of a drop off once the, you know, several of the women reach the late 20s or early 30s. And I'm not talking necessarily international, but even at the lower levels, because Of course, that is the age when uh, many of the ladies need to sort of, uh, the society expects them to get settled in life and to start a family and all those kind of other pressures that come in. How much of that are you noticing or do you expect to see in Brazil? And how? what, are, what do you think are the ways in which one can uh, work around that? That's actually a very good question because I was talking yesterday a little bit about it. Uh, as, a woman's, uh, as a woman's athlete, It's difficult sometimes to conciliate both. If you want to be a mother, because if you want to be a father while you're playing or playing athlete, you you can do that. It's quite it's e it's easy. But as a woman, you uh, sometimes it could be a little bit a little bit more challenging. I think Cricket Brazil was very smart uh, in the timing they did the contracts. Uh, a lot of our players are their early 20s and they're starting to have to work. Uh, they're finishing university or they're going to their studies. Uh, and we noticed that if we didn't contract players now, uh, they would probably stop playing cricket because they have to work. Uh, they have to provide some kind of money for their family. So I think the timing they contracted was very good to be able to retain the talents that we have in the country. So they keep playing cricket uh, while they're still studying or they, uh, still starting their lives. I think the next challenge is going to be the one you're talking about when they start thinking about family. Uh, but... I think what the boards are doing better and better every time is to know that, yes, some players are going to want to start their families when they have pregnancy, how we can accommodate that. We have a, a case of one player that um, had a baby, uh, I think five months ago, and uh, it was very cool the way that the board accommodated that. She was able to train physically. Uh, she was, we have a mental coaching, nutritionist and everything. She was able to carry on doing all of that to the, her pregnancy. She practice until the time she felt comfortable so she used to do a lot of tennis ball drills and things like that to make sure that she was okay uh, and the, the board allowed her to stay six months at home without training and still having the pay as as the Brazilian laws uh, require and she actually came back much earlier she came back uh, when the baby was only two uh, the board accommodated the kid in training they were like uh, okay we're very happy to have you here Uh, how can we help you feel comfortable in training? How can we help the baby? So I think like this reality is is, is, is now normal. Uh, we are women. We sometimes we're going to decide to have a baby. We still want to keep playing cricket. And the board is very open for conversation. So I think that's very important. We don't know all the answers, but 
we need the boards to be open to talk to us and see what is better for you, what is better for us, how we can accommodate it. So I think no no country now has in the, the, the answer, but we have to be willing to talk and value these players because, yeah, we can be moms and we can be athletes. We see Bismarck Maruf in the World Cup. She's here with yeah. baby five. And uh, yeah, uh, that's how we, we need to make sure that we, we keep doing things. Absolutely. Um, I was uh, looking for footage of uh, your games online. And of course, the one of the first games that comes up is that game against Canada where, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's an absolutely remarkable game where five wickets fell in five balls and you pulled off like a absolutely magical win. Tell us a bit about that. And, uh, you know, also about other games that uh, you know that are not there, but which you felt when you felt uh, so proud and happy to be part of this team and game. It's amazing. You saw my smile when you spoke about that game of Canada. <laughs> uh, I still, I still, I still live that moment. Uh, I still have that moment so clear in my mind. Uh, it was beautiful. First of all, we never had won uh, when uh, and up to that tournament. We never beat Canada. Uh, the last America's Cup that we had was in 2011, previous to that. And I wasn't even playing cricket. So for me, it was the first time playing Canada, uh, USA uh, in this big uh, in these big tournaments. And uh, it was funny because we had that game in control all the time. Uh, we batted well for the pitch conditions. Uh, we fielded very well. And there was the number five or six batter, batter coming, came in. We dropped her twice and she started scoring a lot of runs. <laughs> So all that game that was in control, suddenly we were in the last over to defend two runs. I said, what happened? And we had to win that game to be runners up. Uh, otherwise, we would be third place. And third place is what everybody expected from us. Yeah, USA is going to be strong. Canada is going to be better. You guys are going to be third. And we didn't want to be what people expected from us. We wanted to show that the work that we are doing was better than third place. So second place had a lot of value for us. So I looked around as a captain. I was looking around saying, who is going to bowl this last over? And uh, uh, the 16-year-old Laura Cardozo was just staring at me. She was like, her eyes were... <laughs> I was like, she she needs the ball. So I walked, I walked... And remind me, they needed three runs in that last over, right? Yes, yes. We we could only consider three runs to go for the super over. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, three runs for the super over. And I, was, I walked with her to the run-up. I look at her and said, okay... If I needed a person to defend two runs, it would be you. Go and have some fun. And she did what she did. I have the choose. Talking to you, I have the choose. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it is spectacular because she is the perfect example of our pathway. She started in a community project uh, with softball, tennis ball, cricket. Uh, she liked it. We called her to go to the club. She played in the club for a few years. She played for a local team. She was called to be part of the high performance, played the national team, got contracted, national player. And uh, she did what she did in the in Mexico. So, yeah, it's unbelievable what uh, a good structured sport can do. She's just a superstar. And, and you know, I the visuals were a little long shot, so I can't claim to have watched each and every ball. But I did, each ball that she bowled was very accurate. It was straight the length was spot on and she was getting the bat the batters to make mistakes. She was not, uh, you know, giving anything easy, which is what you want when you're defending two runs, right? 
Yes, and the, the fun thing is, for example, we talk about a, a lot about teaching the, teaching them what the game is uh, because they don't know it. For, when you talk about death bowling, for the high-performance girls in Brazil, now they know what death bowling is, but for some of the girls, they still don't. And that is something that was very natural of her. She never used to watch cricket games as a girl. She now watches a lot of international games, but for her, when you tell her, she knows the importance and how she needs to play that quite naturally. Uh, so I think that's an athlete's mindset. Uh, she wants to win and how is she going to get it? Uh, it's very natural on her. Uh, and she's very talented. She's a talented bowler. She's a talented uh, batter. Uh, she's a very good fielder. So at, and she, at a very young age. So I think that's one girl that has an opportunity of actually going and taking Brazil further uh, into the international scenario. And uh, she completely deserves it. She's a very hard worker. She's and she's really young, right? Yeah, she's now she's 17. So she was 15 when that happened, right? <laughs> when that happened, that big girl is 16 years of age. <laughs> 16 years old. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, this is uh, that's a dream. I mean, every 16 year old would want to take five wickets in five. I mean, get to defend two runs with five wickets falling because there was, I think, a run out as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and and uh, any other game or, that you can think of? Because uh, I'm uh, obviously I have not been watching everything that that's not online. But yeah, is there anything else that you can think of? You can remember? I I have a favorite game uh, that was my uh, in in the 2016 South American Championship. Uh, we played the finals against Argentina in Rio de Janeiro. So it was being played at home, uh, and. Uh, I remember that game so clearly because it was the first time that I started realizing the importance of cricket, the brilliance of cricket. And I was like starting to find out that we were actually good cricketers. Um, and uh, we played the final. We batted first against Argentina, which was not easy. And uh, I came in like a third or fourth batter, something like that. And I scored my first six. Uh, on the 19th over. I never had played a six uh, before. Uh, so it happened like in the South American tournament, a straight six over the bowler's head. It was when I started realizing that I really love the game. Like this is something that I want to do for my life. Uh, and um, I remember like uh, bowling against them uh, and everything else in the levels because Argentina has always been the dominant team in South America up to that year. Uh, so for us to know that we could beat Argentina and with a very young team, we saw, okay, this is the future. That This is where what we have to do is going to be about inspiring these young girls from Brazil to know that they can achieve what, the, what they want if they work hard. So I think that was actually when I realized that the dream could be true. Uh, so for me, that, that, that game was one of the game changes in my life, 100%. More than the century, more than anything that I scored <laughs> for that game. It's it's a it's a profound statement that you made that you it is the moment you realize that how much you love the game and I think you know every person who has played cricket goes through that particular moment at some point of time and the challenge for a country like Brazil that is developing cricketers is for to give give the cricketers that opportunity to love the game because once you do that then there's no going back right I mean then cricket becomes your life but you need them to reach that stage to be able to love the game like for instance five wickets in five balls I mean that is what that will make you love the game but you know you need all the cricketers to go through something like that yeah and I think for me is uh, for us in cricket Brazil it's very important to know that it's not going to be sometimes a big playing for Brazil, awesome moment. Sometimes it's going to be playing the local league 
that little girl that never had an opportunity in other sport, that little girl taking her first cricket, that's going to be her moment. She's probably not going to be a national player, but we still want her to be able to love the game and play the game. That's why I think the inclusion in every level is so important for us because not everyone's going to be that, is going to have that five wicket in five balls moment, but they are going to have their own personal moments and we still want to value them uh, to make sure that that moment that they fall in love, they still keep, can keep doing that. So I think inclusion for us is a big part uh, of our development. Which, bring, which also uh, reminds me that there was an interview that you did where you mentioned how you were so drawn into the values of cricket and what it brings to people and what it teaches people. Uh, is that something that, you know, that you've been strong on as well from the beginning as well as Cricket Brazil to sort of inculcate certain values in people through cricket and to make them believe that, you know, there is a way of life when you play cricket as well? Good, good question. Uh, it's not something that was brought to me from the beginning. I think when I started playing, I was a lot about, uh, I had a very gophers mindset on the background. So for, it was very individual sport for me. I, I had to move from the individual sport to the collective thinking uh, and didn't come naturally. It was something that I had to work a lot on. But once I, I re realized that the girls, girls were looking at me, uh, they didn't have big role models at home. Sometimes their mom was absent, their father was not over there. They didn't have the role models at home. And they, they started looking at us as role models for for life. I had the nickname of the big mom for a long time. So yeah. once that happened, I was like, I have to be a little bit more attentious on my values because my values are going to be the ones that are going to determine what, what this kid's going to do. Uh, so I had to change it. Uh, so my man, mindset was changed. I, I had a lot of talking to our president, Matt Federson, about that and how we could make sure that these kids were following the right pathway. We want to make sure that they are good athletes, yes, but it's not worth them being great athletes if they don't have the right values. So now when you go into the cricket center in Brazil, you have the values, the, the mandatory values of cricket written everywhere. Uh, and uh, because we want them to always, always, remember, always remember where you come from and always remember that you have to be a good person for the world and be a good athlete but first you have to be in, within the right values for us is a lot about that yeah and, and talking about uh, you uh, them looking up to you i mean it's like in in situations like this with the brazilian team you know trying to build a team trying to get players is when captaincy and coaching becomes so much more important right than say if it's an established team and they're really good cricketers and then you have a captain all right he's important or she's important but in your sort of scenario it's almost like the players are looking at every single thing that you're doing and they're trying to copy you or they're trying to get as much as they can from you so your role becomes so much more important yes last year in mexico we had a game against argentina the first game that we had against argentina everything worked out in our favor. Everything. We bowled them out for 12. That is something oh. that never happened. Up to 2014, we had never beaten Argentina. Uh, and now that that happened, and I remember walking, looking, looking at the scoreboard and say, I can't believe this. But a few girls started getting very, not voracious, but very like fierce when the celebration was like, guys, the, they are girls like us. They are people like us. We are extremely happy about that. But don't forget that it's about respect. Uh, you have to treat the opponent, winning or losing, the same way that you would like to be treated yourself. So I think the girls were very good with that. They like extremely happy 
but never losing respect for your opponents and having, having remembering the values doesn't matter you you are you are up now but you could be low the next day because it's cricket you could be low the next ball uh and they have to remember that uh yeah values are the biggest thing for us and they are looking at us all the time these are teenagers like i said 16 17 year olds they are they're absorbing everything and we have to make sure that we are following the right paths all right so uh finally uh you know five years down the line or 10 years down the line even uh you know what what would be your sort of the dream situation for brazil to be let's not go 10 years let's just go five years because that's a reasonable estimate <laughs> would it be like uh, you know uh, pushing for a world cup berth or you know or would it just be increasing the number of players in brazil if they you know if you can just elaborate on what would be a dream scenario at that time okay first i'm going to talk about the brazilian team uh i i want the women's team to be top ranked uh ranked in the top 20 in the world i think that's a, a goal for us in the next five years we want to raise uh, a little bit our, our number in the rankings uh and it's 20 27 now if i'm not mistaken yes yeah. 27 uh we want to make sure that we are competing for the world cup spot i think maybe five years on that's a little bit short but uh, that's definitely a goal for us um uh, and uh, as cricket brazil we want to have more people more people playing we want to be playing cricket in different regions uh we want cricket to be a big sport in brazil uh with the men's team currently the men's team has four boys from brazil we want this number to at least double the next five years um we are starting a development program for the men's national team as well which is 10 brazilian players from the community projects uh, they're under 21 they're going to start training i think this week uh with a pathway for the men's national team and uh, i think that's three big points for us higher participation the men's team from brazilians uh increase the number of participants in the country and get the women's team in top 20 i think that's going to be our our three big causes over there fantastic uh wish you and uh, cricket brazil and everyone else who's playing there all the best uh would love to travel to brazil at some time and uh, watch the team play and i'm sure that will be a great experience as well and uh, yeah really hoping for great things for brazil this is a remarkable story and uh, yeah uh hoping for the best thank you very much it was very nice to talk to you uh anytime that you come you want to come and watch cricket in brazil or anything like that you're more than welcome we would love to show you everywhere and uh yeah i hope uh, things grow smoothly from here yeah absolutely i mean uh, uh five years uh, or 10 years earlier i would have said that uh, you know a dream to go to brazil and watch uh, uh you know a big football match but uh, now maybe i need to change my uh dreams and say that the dream is to go and watch cricket match so yeah things change <laughs> we can do both we can watch the football and then <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely uh that would be a double treat uh, that'll be great uh, thank you again and uh, this was great chatting with you Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Talk to you and uh, for the listeners of uh, uh, 81 all out uh, the usual 81allout.com is our website. Uh, you can go and rate and review our podcast. Uh, please do that really helps us uh, increase our reach and uh, we recently republished uh, war minus the shooting as many of you are aware. You can pick it up. I'll put the link uh, the classic book written by Mike Parkesy published in 1996 but now republished again by 81 all out. So please pick it up. and uh, yeah we'll join you again for another episode soon thank you india have won the series they're going to get back for two india at home lords goes wild